Welcome to the Creative Minds podcast with me, Callum Hughes. Something for your mind. So thank you everyone for joining episode nine of my Creative Minds podcast. Tonight I'm joined by Brandon Block. For the older generation, they'll already know who he is. Big Don, I be the legend before your likes of Circle Loco and DC10 even existed. He was original space resident in the early 90s, dominated the terrace alongside the likes of Alex P. Uh, what we'll be discussing tonight is his journey through DJing, also in the late 90s, unfortunately, when he almost passed away through his cocaine addiction, but the miraculous recovery that he made and the wellbeing organisation that he now runs called Get Well Together. Also touching upon other successes like his radio show that he did with Kiss FM in the late 90s. So I'm just going to invite Brandon in now. Hello mate. Nice to meet you. Hello, how you doing? I'm all right, mate. Nice brummy accent there, boy. <laughs> I've lived here about five years now, so it's uh, it's it's caught on a bit now, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no, listen, I've got some great friends in Birmingham. I've met some really, really, really fantastic times up there, and uh, uh, it's a great city, it really is. Yeah. Yeah, they are they are class. Well, that was that was the main reason why I moved here. To be fair, not just for work, but because I wanted a bit of action in the in the music scene. So yeah, it was definitely uh, a good move. So yeah, I re- really appreciate you joining me and taking time out of your busy schedule. First of all, but um, before later on, we talk about all the fantastic work you're doing now with your um, Get Well Together project, um, and obviously you know helping those who are struggling with addiction and mental health issues. I wanted to go right the way back uh, to talk about your musical journey uh, for probably some of the younger generation that, that, that maybe don't know about it. Um, so I've had, I've had a chance to read bits of your biography that came out a couple of years ago, The Life and Lines of Brandon Block, which was uh, quite a journey for even as a reader. So it's funny because I've read in some accounts that you were shy back in school but then other accounts i read that you're a bit of a jack the lad so well to be fair you're rolling your eyes there so that that tells the story anyway i don't remember being shy to be honest <laughs> people that I've met in the music industry they're exactly the same they say they never really got on well with school because it's all rules and you've got to do this you've got to do that whereas when you've got a creative mind you're pushing out of the boundaries and that's not what school likes so as you bear in mind back then I read that you know when you were DJing at the John Lyon pub back in like 1985 that was more getting towards Jurassic House era how how did you originally fall in love with with the music so obviously back then it was seen as a bit of a not a weird thing but because of you know it's a lot a lot of legal warehouse raves and acid house was so out there how how did you get into it in the first place well i think to be honest i mean look I, i'd always i'd always loved my music uh you know I loved music had always been a big part of my life I and mean, you know it, it, music often maps our lives you know so there's certain songs and certain records of certain eras where you play records and songs from those eras it will take you back to those places 
Um, so a lot of my stuff in the 80s when I was growing up was lovely. I like that. I mean, that's why I agree. You know, my hip hop, my soul, my funk. Um, but also lots like that in the 80s, pop music. Uh, and, uh, you know, yeah, the electric 80s. So there was lots of, you know, rap, you know rap, romantic music, sorry. Yeah. But I think the acid house thing, you know, for me, uh, it was a natural progression. We, we, we sort of, um, you know, we went from mobile discos to pubs to clubs. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you hear about more exclusive, not exclusive necessarily, but more way out clubs. Yeah. And, you know, there was lots of real, but you know, there was a very cool club scene and we were in the cool club scene. So the cool club scene, I don't mean the other cup scene wasn't cool, but you know, the, the, the disco text as opposed to the cup scene was different. You know, the local buddy like discos, which we used to go to as well, but there was also this very cool, like, soul and funk underground cup scene, which sort of transcended into, uh, along with the football, you know, the football scene with the casuals. Yeah. So we used to go, it was all that whole thing of the 80s. And, um, and then Acid House came along, along with the drugs, and, um, you know, uh, it was just a whole. A social awakening, a social revolution, yeah. loads of stuff going on. But you know, to be early days in the acid house thing was a fantastic. Um, it's wonderful to be one of the you know early DJs being recognised to play that sort of music. Also to be in the club scene that's emerging as a huge thing which has never gone back thirty years now. So you think about it, you know, like many like back in before the eighties, they say it was the eighties disco and New romantic, early 80s was punk, uh, you know, late 80s was skinhead, and then disco still, and then 90s became. But this, you know, dance music as such never stopped. Yeah. You know, because we, we started remixing old disco records, remixing old rock records, uh, and then it opened the doors for electronic music and electronic, you know, sampling and, uh, you know, uh, using other people's records, but more so. Um, than it was before, so it's changed the face of music forever. Yeah. Not not like 10 years and it goes back to it, it's actually changed the face of music, all music, yeah. forever. Yeah. So to get, to get, you know, to get, uh, I mean, lots of, uh, you know, hip hop, um, rock artists, indie artists, to get music played because the club scene was so massive, they used to get dance mixes done. Yeah. Their songs played in nightclubs because everyone was going out. It wasn't like, you know, the radio was great, but again, it was pirate radio stations and also, um, uh, you know, the uh, dance music was taking over the airwaves. It wasn't, you know, it was, it was massive. So Radio One became like this huge radio station and you had Judge Jewel. I mean, all, we all went around then. Kiss, obviously, I was on Kiss. Yeah. Kiss was a massive radio station. All, um, oh, and he said, you create party. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably too many times. But um, it was, it was, it, it was like the most incredible, um, I can't describe it. It was like a whirlwind. It was like a snowball just yeah. gathering pace. And uh, it was so fast. And, uh, you know, there was just so much fun being had. And the music was incredible. Yeah. And the attitude of people's, I think the thing that was really important was people's attitudes. Uh, it wasn't about, necessarily is about a conscious sort of we all just don't want to fight we don't want you know we don't want to be horrible to each other we want to go and have fun we want to enjoy each other's company we want to have some dance yeah it was great for that you know and uh, it, it, you know, it still still happens this day it's created a massive change in consciousness and you know people how people thought about when they went out there was no we lost all that compa- comparison stuff which we have again now unfortunately you know when yeah. you look at Instagram or you look at Facebook or Snapchat or wherever else it is people do it because they want to compare themselves because they they, they they look at the lives that other people live yeah that, that's one thing I was going to discuss mainly later on but I think it's probably good that we touch upon it now because no, bear sorry, in mind you, you ask away you ask questions I'm sorry I, 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 I do tend to no, no, it's, it's, it's all right. Obviously, pe- people are here to listen to you, not not to me. But, um, I mean, when we were touching upon the the residency that you had in the, the John Lyon pub, I think, um, especially nowadays, how important it is to have, like, a residency where you can, 
where you can build on you know getting to know a crowd and really digging deep for records where i think a lot of that has been lost nowadays and obviously i think it's going to have to go back to an element of that because because of this pandemic you're not going to be able to do big events so people are going to have to start digging deep and really getting to know the, the crowd and being able to, to work the crowd but how important do you think that residency was for you developing as a dj to them when you oh, got yeah, on yeah, yeah. Topping wasn't it yesterday? I think especially at the moment I've been I've been trying to say to people this is a great time whereas if you not just by yourself if you've got a collective if you've got a group of friends and you're all reading off the same hymn sheet is to even if you don't launch the brand now start thinking of ideas what do you want your brand to be what do you want the concept to be get everything together so that when restrictions are eventually lifted you can then implement that and you can bring a party that you know you've you've had you've had months and months to to get everything together but behind the scenes but um with you mentioning social media before i think that that will probably probably really one of the main primary points that you'll highlight back when you had these residencies in like the mid to late 80s early 90s and then you look at the way the music industry has evolved and like you say you have to accept that you know social media is a part of being an artist but first and foremost it should be about the music it should be how good are you as a dj but what what do you what do you like and what you don't what do you not like about the way the scene has changed compared to when when you were playing compared to what it's like now i I think, yeah. I think you, you, you have to embrace technology. Uh, I think, you know, the, the, the thing about what you were mentioning earlier about, let's say, going back to create your own little niche of brand by DJing for some friends and create a little, you know, a little thing, that's what got lost. And you were, you were competing against big brands and, you know, chances are if you didn't have a hit record, you, yeah, you wouldn't be able to necessarily make a club night massive. Yeah. Back then, but you see now, there's uh, look, I'm not. Uh, social media has been used in the last four or five months for great stuff, right? It was uh, if, you, if you think about, and I this is what I know because leading up to leading up to the, the, the start of lockdown, let's say or pandemic, the world was heading for a mental breakdown. Yeah, I agree. I agree, mate, completely. Total, uh, you know, total burnout, right? We've all uh, you saw people suicide. You saw people talking about. You know, uh, every day of people talk, uh, doing Instagram posts about mental health, about men's mental health, about women's mental health, about suicide, about, you know, struggling with anxiety, struggling with, you know, to keep up with life. And, and it's the truth. This is what, because the world moves so fast. Yeah. We just can't keep up because it's just too fast for us. You know, we can, and, you know, if you, if you immerse yourself all day long on a computer, you don't get involved in life with humans. Yeah, it's true. Very true, mate. And I think, you know, we've lost. We've gained, not lost, 
lost that before the pandemic. And, you know, although, and I'm not saying, look, I, I, God rest in peace, everyone whose lives were lost to that horrible disease. But, um, you know, after that, we, we were told these stuff that, you know, um, we should be achieving stuff. But, you know, you, you can't achieve in those times of stress and anxiety because, you know, the future is so uncertain. You know, you can say, go and make a new business, go and make, what happens if you've done all this work to create a new business and it, you know, that it comes to the end of your three months and go, well, that's not going to open up again. Yeah. So, so I think, I think what people have done during lockdown is great because they've looked after themselves, they've looked after their families, looked after their friends. Yeah. Supporting the NHS, done most of the right things we could have been told. But now, as you say, we're still sort of in that transition. But I think you're right, we can create new stuff for ourselves now. Yeah, I, I think I will agree with you there on, on the flip side. Whilst I think for me personally, I, I've had ups and downs in this um, lockdown period and even when the restrictions have been lifted because it's that frustration of wanting to do things that you, that you can't do. So I will say, you know, people out there, if you've got good ideas, then great. But also at the same time, don't fall into that trap, especially like you say with Instagram, thinking, oh, well, why aren't I doing this? Why aren't I doing that? Because I think the main thing is just trying to actually look after yourself more than anything. If, if that means, you know, you're not working on a business, but you're going out doing a run and you're eating healthy, well, your physical and mental well-being is far more important than sat there all day on Instagram thinking, oh, well, that person started a record label and I'm not, and I'm not doing anything. And that's why, I don't know what you're like on it, and I suspect, you know, a lot of the people you work with, with with your business, I try and say to people, be very careful about how much time you spend on social media, but also who you're following, because it's so easy. If you're following the wrong people, it's it's almost automatic that you're going to fall into this negative mindset of thinking, oh, you know, look at what they're doing. But you know as well as I do, people. I'm the same. People only post their best bits. No one, no one posts what happens behind closed doors when no one else can see you. And I hope that people realise that because people probably say to you and they definitely say to me oh, oh you look like you're doing really well you're only 26 and I'm like mate like I, I don't try and give this big I am on social media because I go through my own struggles as well like and I'm not afraid to admit it and I think I think the more we admit it and we talk about it then people think oh well you know it, it is whilst it's okay not to be okay we we need to look at ways and that's some of the great work that you're doing to see yeah it is okay not to be okay but what can you do to improve that what can you do to get out of that out of that rut that you're in uh, yeah, but you know what mate you're a very wise young man let's say it's a wonderful thing to have an awareness now because uh, and to listen to someone of your age talking about this stuff which is vitally important because what I've come to learn is when you're not on your top game you're not going to achieve nothing mm. Right, so you know, people say, All right, let's go set goals, let's do this, let's do that. Right, the thing I've learned is the tools I use is that when you set goals, if you are now in a place of right, if you set goals from a negative place, right, which is right, I feel let's just say, um, I don't like the way I look, uh, I need to address the way I look, or I lose weight, or put weight on, or I want to set. 
or whatever I want to achieve. I'm not going to drive myself mad. I'm not going to beat myself up. And I'm not going to compare myself to everyone else because that's what we did before. You were saying, like, you know, look at Instagram, look at a, look at a, ah, Caroline, I'm, hey, how are you, love? Um, <laughs> um, what you're saying is, like, so, and we got, we're all guilty of it, mate. We're all guilty of it. Yeah, of course. Told, of course. We're told by the media, we're told by everybody, this is what we have to achieve, this is what we have to be. And what lockdown has, or coming out of it now, has, has sort of left us with the choices, saying we actually don't have to be all that. Yeah, I work from home now, yeah. Well, I, you know, I work from home, and I do some other work, and I do from home, but, you know, and you've got to be grateful that you're able to spend more time doing that, because that whole constraints of working nine to five, and uh, yeah. work a decent amount of hours, and this, that, and the other, someone created that. Yeah, yeah. Who, who came up with that idea? I don't know, you know, this is like, this is like, you put into question all the, all the rules and the, the systems that were put in place before this, because that's the way just the way we were told. Yeah. But you know, you see how they stopped it overnight. It yeah. stops overnight. It, it stops goes it. to show that it really wasn't that hard because I worked for Nat West Monday to Friday in, in business banking and it was amazing how easy it was for them to deploy working from home. It was like that and I thought, well this, this should have happened ages ago because th- like you say it's in the way that we were living before, as I 100% agree with you, the, the level of intensity and the mental health problems comes from people get a nine to five job that actually most of the time they don't really like to then, you know, you end up living beyond your means a lot of the time because you want to keep up with everybody else on social media. Then you're commuting to and from work. You go out at the weekend and I've done it before. You go out and get trashed because you fucking hate your Monday to Friday job, then it's this vicious cycle of you go back to work, you feel like shit on a Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday comes back again, and then it's just that constant loop. So I think I'm, I've said exactly the same as you, is not in a selfish way because, you know, God bless, there's been thousands and thousands of people, hundreds of thousands around the world that have lost their lives because of this pandemic, there's people who've been impacted financially, but there is positives that are going to come out with it, not just for the environment, but for people mentally, because hopefully a lot of offices will say, you know, we'll work from home for the foreseeable future. That means you get more time to spend with your children, with your family, to to do more things that you should have been doing before. But because of this whole schedule that got implemented by God knows who, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. But... Everything because I just 
Yeah, yeah. I know. I think to be honest, I'm I'm not as bad as I used to be. I think I went through that phase in my early twenties when I'd spend hundred pound on a t-shirt, and people say to me, "Oh, like you work six, seven days a week with your full time job and your businesses. Why don't you drive a big car?" And I think, well, you know what? Like I'm happy how I'm living. If I want to keep my overheads low so I can do this and this, and I can reinvest money in my businesses, so hopefully one day I can quit my nine to five job and do what I'm really passionate about, and wake up every morning and think, you know what? I'm fucking ready for this day and I'm going to kick its ass, then I'd much rather live life like that instead of... I'm not knocking anyone who gets tied down with a mortgage and cars and finance because everyone's perception of happiness is different. But I think there's, there's undoubtedly a lot of people out there, and, I, and I've seen it firsthand, especially in my own family, where people have got this massive house and they're paying off this mortgage till they're like 60s. And I think, like, do, do you really need that? Like, do you really... The thing is... If you want it, you want it. But if that's not what really makes you happy, then don't get bogged down by all the bullshit if that's not what makes you happy. But listen, you know what? They, you know, happiness, to we say now, is uh, you know, a must, a given. Yeah. And, you know, you can be happy. The stuff, trouble is, uh, I'm not going to start conspiracy theories, but happiness for us isn't what they want. Yeah, yeah. wanted to to come back to after your residency at the, the John Lyons pub and yes, um, no no it's all it's all good mate we're having an interesting conversation um but I know after that you had several residencies you had uh zigzag then you had up your Ronson in Leeds food food bar at the milk bar in London club for life screen in Plymouth so what I was interested about because obviously back then you know, so, social media didn't exist. I know, um, obviously there was mobile phones, but the internet was pretty much not non-existent. So in terms of you growing as an artist, how how did you really get your name out there back back then? And how did it really take off from then you heading over to space and kicking off the residency with uh, Alex P? Uh, it's a very good question, mate. The mobile phones didn't come in until there was no internet at all. Um, and there was Yeah. Okay, if I can remember rightly, I remember getting uh, uh, the reason why I remember is I remember I, I had the newest phones as they came out, but I remember the uh, there was a Nokia one called a Nine. Uh, it slipped up. You picked the size and it went slid up. It's a great phone. <laughs> and I was just walking from Mambo's to Kenya when the Kenya was existent, and I lost it. First up, just got it delivered, and I walked out, lost it. <laughs> I was in bed anyway. <laughs> Like, it was like a, a cult 
Yeah. Uh, but not, you know, it's like a new, like new creations, new things. You know, TV was on it. Obviously, people were, and our beef was being talked about all the time. Uh, you know, Money Pennies in Birmingham was you know, one of the best clubs. I was yeah. all around month residency there. I think point. I think you know Jit, don't you? I worked for Jit, Kota Patel. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I, I did. I told, I told him that managed to get you on, and he was, uh, he was singing the praises. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, 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 he has mentioned you when we've had a couple of conversations. He said that you, you, you two were getting up to some rascal business back in the day. <laughs> oh, how funny, man! We had some great fun. So, um, yeah, but you know, I think, I mean, I don't know. Maybe my infamy was something to do with that. Maybe my madness. Yeah. Which was also still going, so people used to, and you know, dance music was getting some of the pop say Black Box right on time. What was the first big dance music record? Probably that or ATB, that was a bit uh, bit later on, but like, big things like 10 City got in the charts. Uh, Oh, there was, you know, it was crossing over real quick. Yeah. So uh, that's, you know, we we got got airplay on radio, you got people who were radio pluggers, you had DJs mixing records for people to to be out playing nightclubs so you know you would get um, I was playing a record the other day and I didn't realise uh, Celine Dion's record Misled is a great tune and it was remixed in 1990 so it's a huge record back then so it was also 30 years ago yeah 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 but that you know big artists getting remixes uh, done back 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 then so yeah, that's how it all went it was a, it was a word of mouth and you know yeah people plugging tunes and big parties being created basically and yeah uh, so grateful to be part of it mate yeah but but what I'm, I'm sure you would probably agree with, and uh, it's really nice because me and one of the artists that I manage called uh, Fleur, we run a party in Birmingham, but we try to make it um, a lot of vinyl as well because I think with the digital age, although it's good that technology's evolved, I, I've been guilty of it. When you go on your beat ports, that music is so easily disposable, whereas now people are realising the best tunes you fucking get are when you go to a record shop like... Big up Tom Short as he runs Digbeth Records in Birmingham. Like you go to these shops and they, you know, these uh, people who own the record shops, they get the rarest records. And sometimes, yeah, you have got to pay more, but that's what makes you stand out as an artist. And obviously, back when you were playing, that's what was making you stand out because you know you're rifling through God knows how many records because you're getting tunes that nobody else um, has got. So the, I, I love that whole concept, man. Where. You know, it's not just going on Beatport and going to your top 100. It's like, it's like going to a record shop that is down a back alley and you found a tune and you think, fuck me, when I drop that on a dance floor, knickers are coming down when I, when I drop that. Oh, man, you're right. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something to break your heart, unfortunately, mate. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I mean, look, there's, there's a lot to be had from good vinyls, fun. Um, 
this, this, it's a great year. Oh. Yeah. I've got some great memories, great memories. Definitely. Le- legendary tune. But um, I think the main point for me, because when I started getting into this music probably about five and a half years ago now, I remember when you were briefly in big brother and then i and then i read about which will which will come on to in a bit which i appreciate you know you've been a really open book about you know how bad the addiction got and the way you managed to turn things around but i think a lot of the younger generation should in my opinion and i'm, I'm not blowing smoke at your ass because you're on the podcast should respect the fact that you know when 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 space was coming through in the early 90s you know you and alex p a lot of people say that although there were maybe DJs of a higher calibre, no one brought an energy like you two did. So if I think for a lot of the listeners, people really want to hear, what was it like back in the early 90s like when it was at the height of hedonism? Like, how good really was it? I, 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 look, I, I, I would never change anything about that period in my life, right? It yeah. Most, you walked in space on a Sunday, right? It was like walking well, to a different world. It was like the electric 90s Ibiza. I know people when you go to Ibiza, I'm sure you will experience it. Does have a an energy, a not only are you getting away from it, but it does have incredible energy that Ibiza and it's certainly a feeling. The dog's been hearing. Oh yeah! Oh my God, he remembers that. Me and Dermot O'Leary presented a show years ago called The Dog's Been Hearing. Tom's just uh, mentioned. <laughs> really the, the next point that I, that I wanted to come on to was um, I know that I think it was October 1996 correct me if I'm wrong you said that you know because of you know you've been going a good 11 years solid smashing residencies and, and playing in Ibiza from the early 90s um, you know the lifestyle started to, to catch up with you and um, I think you once again correct me if I'm wrong you had quite a serious lung infection and contracted Hepatitis. I mean, when when did you start to notice um quite clearly that things were going downhill and you know I know I know you probably started in '95 and uh, I, I I sort of started getting ill and I realised my behaviour was becoming obsessive but madly obsessive and then I, I I sort of got to a stage where I thought you know what I now know that I can't stop this without help mm. but. Nah, I, I know where you're coming from, yeah. And, um, but then, you know, then the fun quickly turned into horror and horror and then the whole life. It's just a horrible, entrenched routines, which I never, you know, it, it, I can't explain it. I, I, it, it, it just, it got me to a place where I was doing the same thing every single day. And, and all it was was involved in getting Charlie, basically, from every different place. That's where it, it turned into. Yeah. So I'm, I'm completely grateful to this day to having the moment of clarity to say when I was really ill as well, I made nine stone because I was literally fading away. Yeah. I went to the hospital to get more pain. 
Yeah. And he said, we're not giving you nothing, mate. And I went, oh. And I sat there and I thought, oh, man. I let him, my brain went, we've had enough. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think it was something that just clicked in your head and you thought, I, I either saw, I either addressed the issues or I'm going to die, basically? Just, come on, that's it. And that was it. It was, and I thought, you know what, I, I'm not, I'm not dying quick enough. So I just, I stopped. Yeah. I, went to a I literally went to a clinic within a week of having that decision. Uh, I met my psychiatrist, my psychiatrist, still my mentor to this day. Uh, my, my psychiatrist at the time, but he, you know, he, because I did the work when I went to do work in the field, I started working with people who have drug and alcohol problems. Yeah. I used to go and see him and talk about, it's called taking your case to see someone. Yeah. And so he's still, he's still in touch today, 24 years down the line. Uh, I'm still here, still alive, and uh, still having a, a lovely life and enjoying things. So yeah. I, you can do it. I mean, look. definitely but i think that there's some really inspiring words and, and, and like you say i like the fact that you've said you know just because you were in a really bad when you turned it round, you know there are some people that unfortunately don't recognize how bad of a state they're in and sometimes they don't have that click mentally that says i, I need to get help so sadly you know it, it doesn't always happen but i think clearly you're proof that you know you can turn things round, and there is there is help there if you need it but the, the next point i wanted to come on was you know the, the great work you've been doing for well over 10 years now and um, helping people through drug and alcohol treatment i think was it from 2010 till 2015 you were working with blenheim drug and alcohol treatment service as a as a project worker and then i've, I've done my research mate i don't know if you can tell <laughs> from there <laughs> I read more about the, the training and qualifications that you've obtained, so like your city and guilds and your smart recovery, the life coaching, the goal mapping practitioner, stress management society. So I just wondered if for, for a couple of minutes you could just tell people, especially anyone who's watching or anyone who's watching, you might have friends that are, that are struggling with like alcohol and, and drug addiction or, or either, really what you feel at the moment, especially with 
the stretch in mental health services. And we all know that the government have pulled back on the level of funding and not everyone, obviously, especially now with the strain on finances, has the money to say, I've got 20 grand to go to the Priory or I've got X amount of money for a, for a therapist. What do you think is the best help that's out there at the moment? It's either a manageable cost or, or free of charge that could help people get through a difficult stage of their lives. I mean, I, I mean, I've got a friend who did a podcast last week on sobriety, and it's really interesting. Like the podcast itself is is based specifically on sobriety. Um, but my friend Johnny K, and he was saying that the really helpful thing about a support group is, I mean, he's lapsed several times since he got out of the priory, and he was saying that having that support group is really helpful because obviously it's not only free, but if you have uh, a relapse you know you can then speak to these people and then build a couple of weeks or a couple of months where you don't relapse again because you've got that support mechanism there whereas if you're trying to do it entirely by yourself that's going to be realistically 10 times harder because if you're already struggling with drug or alcohol abuse if you're then trying to you know address that solely it's 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 going to be hard there's no doubt about that whereas if you've got people around you it's going to be surely a lot easier to Yeah. You know, you, you, you're, not, you're not going to be able to overcome all your triggers. I was very fortunate. I stopped overnight, mate. I didn't go back. I did two months in uh, meetings, but then realised they weren't doing what I needed at the time. And I, I sort of went out on my own, but that's what I missed out on. You need to get support. Yeah. Wherever you get it, you need to get support. And online support is fantastic. There's loads of loads of, uh, online um, sober groups. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's overwhelming, isn't it? To be fair. Time. Yeah. I, I just wanted to ask as well, because I'm conscious of the fact we've got about 10 minutes left, just before we come on to some maybe words of advice you have to anyone who is struggling out there. And to be fair, you've already given, you know, some excellent words of, of advice and words of wisdom. But um, Tom Tom Shortis, who I work for, um, obviously mentioned the fact that you were, you know, the original Ibiza superstar. But he, he obviously told me to ask you and a couple of the older heads have about some of the... Uh, the funny stories that you've got, and I got told about the time that you robbed a bus in IB. <laughs> it wasn't me, Tom. It was Alex. But um, I was there. I was just work with him at the at that time. Um, he lit the bus from a pack full of people, and uh, <laughs> it just drove straight because he, 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 I think he lifted, he lost his lift home and, and uh, came out and he just tapped it and couldn't find. Um, <laughs> so he just took the bus home and drove all these people to San Antonio. Jump between two buildings. No, no, I was gonna say, yeah, for anyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> You know, in terms of like in a post-COVID-19 world, which it goes without saying, there's so much uncertainty and no one knows what's going to happen. There's probably going to be even more twists and turns throughout the winter months and, you know, the start and middle of next year. But what what would you like to see change maybe within the music industry? Um, or what would you like to see change, you know, in, in the wider community, whether that's like more mental health support? And, and what would you like to see change, really? For the better. In all honesty, I mean, yes, of course, we want more support for mental health. We want more awareness. We want more, uh, you know, more services. We want more funding in the right places. But I think that the, the fundamental, the fundamental thing which would really help in moving forward is if we, if we don't put demands on it, don't try not to get too stressed ourselves. Mm. Yeah, authenticity, yeah. right? Being authentic self, but you can't be authentic self when you're comparing yourself to other people. It's very true, mate. You're, 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 you're what you are, you're living to be someone else. So you wake up in the morning, the first thing you pick your phone up, you think, right, so I'm already trying to be that person. Yeah, yeah. Already trying to achieve, already trying to achieve that. So you've taken yourself away from your actual you. When you sit there and you mind yourself, be mindful in the morning, you think, right, this is me. I'll sit here with me for a minute, get myself grounded. Now I'm doing what I'm doing passionately for myself today. Yeah. I think the one one thing I would say is, you know, don't get me wrong, I know it's a question that I asked you, but what really helped me was where I grew up was very narrow-minded, and there was a lot of people, when I had ideas about what I wanted to achieve, they try and bring you down, but what you've got to do is, you've got to hurt those people, not kill them with kindness, but you've got to hurt them with success, don't do it to prove them wrong, do it because you're passionate about it, and what I did, I literally... Blocked them off social media. The best thing I did, to be honest, was moving away because I thought, I've got no missus, I've got no kids, there's nothing holding me back. When you surround yourself with a tight-knit circle, group of people that are passionate about something themselves, they're driven, they're motivated. You know, it's, it's not like you want to be in a group full of toxic people and they're all there like, oh, well, what are you doing? But I really think if you're in a tight-knit group of people where you're all pushing each other, you're all supporting each other, you don't have to have... 10,000 followers on Instagram because the reality is none of us fucking know 10,000 people. I'd much rather be followed by 3,000 and like actually, you know, inspire people with positivity instead of having 100,000 and, you know, I'm posting bullshit all the time and, you know, pe- people aren't in a, in a good way. And, that, and that's the one thing I would say is, you know, if... if the main thing people say is, oh, I don't want to do this because I'm I'm bothered about what my mates will say. And the way that I look at it is like, well, clearly they're not your mates then, are they? Like, you, you probably need to reassess who you associate with and, you know, surround yourself with good people, which I'm sure 
you would say that's probably helped you over the years, maybe reassessing who you associate with. But do, do, do you do stuff like meditation and things like that? What, what do you feel helps you to t- keep in a good mindset? I do my uh, Wim Hof in the morning, Wim Hof through the ice, man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just, it's, it's real, real, uh, real deep breathing, and it just takes me out of my usual, you know, self. And you can just get a bit of clarity. I go riding in the morning, listen to the meditation, come home, do the breathing, do some weights, do some stretching, and you set yourself up a day, and you, you actually then, you're able to look at your day rationally and think, right, what can I do today? You've forgotten about the past, you don't live in the past. You just forget the past. Yeah. If you live in the past, you're always going to be trying to be the person or trying not to be the person you were back then. Yeah. It's easy to beat. It's easy to beat yourself up as well. Like I've I've done it before. When I've made one or two mistakes, I thought, ah, oh, I can't believe I've done that. But the way that I look at it is, if you learn from your mistakes and you look at ways you can rectify it and you hold yourself accountable, then you know you're going to be a better person going forward. Um. But yeah, I mean, what what kind of main advice would you have for people and what are the main services that you normally direct people to? Obviously, apart from, you know, the, the communal kind of group you've got with Get Well Together and um, Happy Days for Everyone, where, where do you normally try and point people in the right direction who need help? Well, look, firstly, if people come to us, you know, uh, with, with issues or anything, we're, 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 I mean, I've got therapists I send them to. Uh, I mean, the, the drug crisis, Samaritans, usual crisis services, um, mind charity for mental health issues. Um, I would recommend any local CTL. CTL is a local uh, countrywide drug and alcohol service. Turning Point are also quite big in that. WDP. Um, there's many, many. I mean, look, if, if you're going to go and search for stuff, just look on the internet uh, and. Um, but as I say, the first, I would suggest the first intervention would be a NA or a CA or, a, uh, you know, whatever AA meeting you require. Yeah. Uh, just to get yourself into that mode of reaching out. <coughs> They're not happy, excuse me. They won't judge you. They'll welcome you in. Yeah. Make you part of the family. Yeah. And listen to your I think I think that's the thing is a lot of people especially you working professionals it's that element of embarrassment that shouldn't be there that people naturally feel but I'm sure you probably seen first hand I think people would be shocked how the kind of people you do meet that you'd probably never expect to meet I think there's this there's this assumption that you're going to walk in and it's going to be a load of homeless people but actually you're probably sat next to some working professional who's on about 80 grand a year you know there's there's people in all walks of life that suffer with addiction so you know, don't feel that, you know, I, I think the thing is for me, I'm not going to get on my high horse because, you know, I've never been to these meetings, but, you know, I'd, I'd and it probably people say, well, it's easy for you to say because you, you're not in that position, but that's what I would personally say is, you know, there's no need, to, like you said, there's no need to be embarrassed about it because there's probably people in all walks of life from working class to middle class, you know. And you shouldn't stigmatise, you shouldn't judge people, you know, they're, 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 they're just means for Okay. And uh, picking up bad habits, which we are, um, we humans, we're conditioned to pick up habits. We learn. Yeah. We, that's how we learn. We, by repet- rep- repetition is how we learn, right? Mm-hmm. By doing something again and again and again. If it makes you, if you change the way you feel, you're going to do it again. Yeah. And that's where we're pleasure seekers as well. So if it's a, if it's a substance, everyone can become like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Sorry to uh, interrupt you. We've literally got seven seconds, mate, but I just want to say thank you very much for joining me because I think it's about to fade out now.